Welcome to Conversation Mill. My name is Rebecca Dale and I am the host of the show. I have a passion for sharing how the creation of thriving local economies benefits us all. I'm fascinated by how we come together to form our communities on a macro and micro scale and how our histories and stories when shared can not only motivate and inspire, but can facilitate understanding. As our communities, large and small, bring back a more progressive Main Street, individuals are stepping out to pursue their passions and local leaders are pushing back against corporate greed. It's time to engage these community leaders and small business owners in conversation. What are the driving forces behind their courage and success and how can we continue to build communities that embrace diversity, support the local economy, and create a healthy ecosystem for the culture at large? Join us now in conversation. Have you ever dealt with something in your life that you thought others could not relate to? Or have you ever had a medical or health issue that was stumping the doctors. Our guest today, Heidi, had this experience of being misdiagnosed and not diagnosed. And from that journey, she and her daughter and her family created Harvest Kitchen in Greer, South Carolina, where gluten-free individuals like myself and vegetarians like myself can walk in and order anything off the menu without fear of what ingredients are being used. It is perhaps an underrated gift to the celiac community or to those with allergies or food sensitivities, but what they've created at Harvest Kitchen really can change lives, and that can help those who have just been diagnosed with food sensitivities or allergies or is a great place to start if you're trying to pursue a lifestyle eating habit change to gluten-free or vegan or vegetarian. Heidi and I cover a lot of ground in this episode, and you can visit conversationmill.substack.com to get even more content from this episode. But please join us now in conversation. What makes Harvest Kitchen different from other cafes or restaurant or lunch or dinner places I might go to? We are 100% gluten-free mm-hmm. and we are specifically allergy-friendly and we also have a lot of vegan options. So that sets us apart if somebody comes in and they might have a specific diet, they're on some kind of health journey or a sickness where they have an allergy or just needing to be gluten-free, then or a safe place for them. Yeah. Which coming from a family that is gluten-free and being gluten-free in our household, it's rare to be able to walk in yeah. somewhere and not be afraid to order anything off the Anything, menu. right? And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> why, why did you do that? Why was that so important to do that? So close to 20 years now, um, I was diagnosed after declining health over a period of a couple of years. Um, I was diagnosed as a celiac. And it was at a time that there weren't a lot of research. You probably remember this time, right? There's not a lot of gluten-free, um, celiac. So I went to naturopaths. I went to doctors. We're talking years, declining health. Mm. 
And finally, it was through a test that one doctor gave me that we found out it was celiac that was creating such havoc. And realizing how difficult that is for somebody who is a celiac, because now in a time that there wasn't grocery stores that you just go to and there's gluten-free everywhere, I had to navigate that. Yeah. And that's it's really important for me to maybe have a place that people that are coming new into the journey or maybe they've been in the journey but I've been there in a time when it was most difficult. Yeah. We've come a long way. Yeah. Things don't taste like cardboard like they used to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But it's still very overwhelming for celiacs who are newly diagnosed. What were your physical symptoms, um, um, girl, for your declining? So first off, if, if anyone knows much about celiac, it comes out of stress, infection, childbirth, um, pregnancy. So I was unexpectedly pregnant for the third time in like a very short period of time. Okay. So this, our third one came when my last one that was born was nine months old. I think my body said it's enough, but I didn't know why. So before I even was, knew I was pregnant, I started having like, I felt like I was going to pass out. Went to the emergency mm. room. They did all the whatever. Found out the next day I was pregnant. Very interesting point on that. Unfortunately, that's my child that has type one diabetes. Oh. So I feel like during that time that he was, you know, being created in me, he was his pancreas was being affected. Very interesting wow. on that, but type one diabetes is a cousin to that. So I probably four years of just ringing of the ears, uh, malnutrition, mm-hmm. which is a big, you know, and of course there's a lot that comes with that. I would walk across a room and the amount of palpitations I would have and arrhythmias, it, it just, I'd be huffing by the time I got to the room. I would have near pass out. When you go to a doctor and you have that and you're 35, they kind of think it's in your head. I had a lot of sure. doctors just like, okay, you've kind of seen a lot of doctors now. And are you sure you're not depressed? And, it, you know, you're just really an eye opening that when something's not diagnosable mm. and there's a lot of symptoms that come with it that are just kind of out there um, that we can sometimes as women can be misrepresented to where, well, you know. Yeah, got three kids under the age of two and a half, and you know it's a lot of stress. When in reality, no, I was really being now mal- malnourished, mm. and I was a severe celiac by the time they found it. Wow, did you have any rashes or skin no. irritations? Not so much, but there are two tracks that celiac will take, and one of it is the it'll be come out more symptoms in the skin. I had the internal, the digestive, okay. yeah. so. Um, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but visiting the bathroom 12 times a day. That was yeah. my number one symptom. Mm. And um, so for me, it attacked my GI system. But for some people, it attacks their skin. Yeah. And it's, you know, they might have the other symptoms. And then for some people that have been diagnosed, it's a more silent. But for me, it was very aggressive. And I, that's why I was malnourished. Mm-hmm. It's because of all the digestive issues. And I just live with nausea and going to the bathroom, like I said, up to 12 times a day. Wow. Yeah. And how long did that go on before you were diagnosed? It was close to six years. Wow. I mean, that's why doctors started thinking it was in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one cardiologist, and you have to understand, I went to rheumatologist, cardiologist, because we were looking for lupus. We were looking for Lyme's disease. We were, you know, I went to naturopaths. Um, I was eating all the good things. I was eating wheat, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was eating barley, <laughs> barley, barley, getting yeah. all the good things. That was pretty much killing me. And um, one doctor looked at me and just laughed at me because I was having these cardiac issues. Mm. But he still kind of was like, think it's here. It's in your head. 
And I'm like, but you see, you know, you can hear the palpitations. You you see. So you start doubting yourself a little bit. You yeah. start to kind of go into this like, okay, I might be a little crazy, you know. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, my journey helps me to help other people. Right. Nowadays, it's one of the first things that doctors look for. Mm-hmm. Back then, it just wasn't anything anybody thought to look for. And a lot of people were getting misdiagnosed of like Crohn's Absolutely. or other autoimmune disorder yes or lupus or lupus right, because lupus is re- yeah. you know you look at the symptoms and you deduct from that it's not mm-hmm. really a test um absolutely because it was uh immunoglobulin that they're looking at in the blood they're looking for this specific protein right that mm-hmm. if you're a celiac that's so if anybody who doesn't know how they diagnose you is they're looking for that protein and if you're positive for that then you go through a colonoscopy and an endoscopy and the, when they did my colonoscopy that was the golden rule i had no villi so mm-hmm. you have these little finger-like structures in your intestines that absorbs. Therefore, I was malnourished. They're absorbing all the nutrients. Gotcha. I didn't have any. They were worn down. My body had been attacking myself for so long that that was gone. And then out of the malnutrition and my vitamin D levels and my um, iron levels, and they were just all messed up, you know, just because of being malnourished, basically. Yeah. My body just wasn't absorbing what it needed to. I was very, a very thin um, five mm. foot eight, I cut down to about 116 pounds mm. and just couldn't keep the weight on. And, you know, I should be around 130 for what. So um, the doctor, I always say he was my biggest blessing. He just, you know, came when I went back to visit him after he did blood work. He's like, I think I found the answer. I'm like, okay, all right, right. Yeah. And he said, I'd give celiac. I'm a nurse. And I'm like, celiac what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what celiac was. Wow. I, and then I researched it. And it was only in the British Isles at the time. It was not known to be in America. It was the one like, well, my dad's Irish, you know, Irish, you know, ancestry. And so I'm going down that whole line. I mean, that is yeah. how little it was in America about 18 years ago when mm-hmm. I was diagnosed. And where we've come, which begs the question, why? Yeah. Where where's it coming from? So when you once you were diagnosed, what how long until you started to see improvement from changing your diet? Some of the symptoms immediately. Yeah. Um, the brain fog, uh, the palpitations, the ringing of the ears. You know, you don't you you look back and think, oh, that's that's not happening anymore. You know, but I would say probably if I were to look back, maybe over about a couple months period of time. But it takes your body a while to recuperate. And I was putting in the healthy foods. When you're so malnourished too, so, that yes. when your iron is so low Absolutely. and your vitamin D is low and, and all, introducing all those these, things need yes. to heal within your body. That's right. And introducing those healthy foods, mm-hmm. which is again, Harvest Kitchen is about, but introducing those foods back into the body that is good for the body to heal itself. So I'd say within... Probably the year I was definitely at a, a better place, mm-hmm. but definitely where my biggest thing was I wasn't going to the ER anymore. Yeah. Because looking back, the one of the biggest symptoms I have, and, it, and it's hard to explain until somebody has that symptom, but I thought I was going to die. So looking back, was it a panic attack that came out of the way I was feeling or mm-hmm. was it truly my body going through all the, the palpitations and the rhythmias and the, I mean, I went to the emergency room probably would visit it like every few months mm-hmm. thinking this is it i'm yeah. leaving three small children and truly believing that i was dying because when you don't have a diagnosis something you don't know is it going to mm-hmm. kill me and you know so these but looking back sometimes i wonder did i go into a panic mode and then panic 
attacks have a tendency to repeat itself, you know, looking back. But but I will say that that feeling that I would have that's very hard to explain, it's just, a, you feel like you're going to pass out. You feel like you're, I don't, I, that stopped that within like, within less than six months, I didn't have that anymore. So, well, everything's connected too, right? I mean, yep. even if you weren't, even if you didn't have celiac, but you were still eating unhealthy, yes. let's say, uh, eating healthy, movement, all those things also affect your mental health. That's right. And panic attacks yes. and anxiety and, yep. and those things. So it is all connected. It and is. I'm sure it is terrifying to have heart palpitations yes. Yes. and be losing weight. And of course, that would throw you into panic. And then and then doctors saying, we just don't know. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's just just having a non-diagnosis is probably one of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. And so many people have them. But I think so many times it go, does go back to allergies. And I think yeah. we're in this day and age, we're seeing that more and more. And I think the testing is better now because, I mean, we have people come in to harvest that things I would never think that you'd be allergic to, like pepitas. You know, oh, that's one of our right. big things here, right? Roasted pumpkin seeds. And people are allergic to that. Sesame seeds. You know, so we think the peanut butter and then and the wheat mm-hmm. and the barley. But we're able to now test that, that some of these things that we need to shed from our own individual diet. Yeah. That we're able to diagnose that so much better now. You mentioned before uh, that your celiac came on after pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about that versus, um, and I may have to edit this out, I need to ask my partner who has celiac, but seems to come from just like hers is purely wheat in the gut yep. and where she can eat wheat in other countries without yes. as severe of a reaction because of our genetically modified wheat in the way wheat exactly. is grown here. Yes. So can you explain maybe what the difference is or yep. why there would be a difference? And I think, too, going back to the first question is, if you're predisposed to something, we're mm-hmm. all predisposed to something. It might be a bad heart. It might be tendency to colon cancer. I was obviously predisposed to being a celiac without mm-hmm. knowing it. That's why children, your children have a 50% chance of that. So when you're predisposed to something, if a stressor comes into and the ones that they would say is an infection, um, any kind of uh, stress, pregnancy, childbirth, any of that, it'll it'll put the body into overdrive. And then the body starts attacking itself, you know, mm. whether that's Crohn's disease, whether that's l- lupus or, or whatever. Um, to the second question with, uh, this is my, from my experience and from the research, and why was this not that big 20 years ago? And mm-hmm. remember what has changed? And you said the, the GMOs. Um, so it, it, to me, it goes back to the way we force our wheat fields, of my understanding. They don't let it lay fallow for seven years. A lot of times we're forcing things. We It's all about quickness, right? In America, everything quick. You like fast everything. And, and so I can go and have gone overseas and I can have their wheat, you know? And I mean, I've done that personally. I have no reaction whatsoever. Yeah. And so it's the way, and in your European countries, they're very strict with the way their crops and, and Germany is very strict on mm-hmm. either their mm-hmm. oats. Um, I talked to a gentleman in, in New York City who has a gluten-free restaurant, um, had the privilege of being able to just to meet him as a chef. And he was saying that Germans, they will not have oat whatever. Like we do have gluten-free oats here. Yeah. And that's what a choice that we allow. But somebody who's from a stricter country, they're like, no, because if anybody knows oats, they're grown with wheat. Yeah. So can you really separate that? You know, so they, they just have stricter standards than us. Yeah. And um, it does go back to, I think it's just going to get worse and worse the more, you know, our GMOs 
We're really big at harvest to get that non-GMO, whatever that is, even yeah. down to corn or whatever. If we can get that label on there mm-hmm. to get that out of our diet. Such a thing that comes up on this podcast when I talk to people who are in food um, or or in healthcare, just about relearning as Americans how to eat and realizing that if a, a, a select few food companies essentially run our food system and what we eat and how we get it yep. and when we get it and what's in it, like we, we have, would be forced to change. Yeah, we yep. have to like re. We have to realize that we're being marketed to by these people who want to make money off the food they're, they're selling. Stuff. Yep, and it's not an incentive to them to do it the way Harvest Kitchen is doing it. it. It's, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that if somebody wants to make money on opening a restaurant, probably don't do it in niche market like we're doing <laughs> right. because it's it's when you ha- have to be so selective. It's not. Unfortunately, it's not cheap. People know that when they go to the grocery stores. Why is gluten-free more expensive? It's a marketing right. thing. And I, I do think that more and more services, like we're talking about the food, um, like uh, the Cisco's and the um, Gordon Foods, the, the ones that we use, they, they are really have selections now. Mm-hmm. They're really emphasizing that gluten-free, the non-GMOs. The, so I think we're getting there, but it's, it's a pretty big elephant in the room. Yeah. And then you have culture around food. Yeah. You've been overseas. Mm-hmm. I've been overseas. So there's a culture around food. Whatever our culture in America, it's unfortunately in the generations of the past generation, not the way past when they're farmers. Right. But as we got into that fast food and the fast since that has started, it's just a very quick and we've become very unhealthy and we don't want to let that go. Yeah. And then I think it becomes geography. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're in the Southeast, you know, there's yeah. more of a healthy desert, food desert down here yeah. versus maybe the West. So I think that there's areas that are doing it better. The yeah. West, I think, is a little bit better than the East mm-hmm. at this point. But we're hoping to break that a little. We're in a neat pocket, I feel like, mm-hmm. here in the upstate yes. of South Carolina where we're we have a lot more small farmers coming up. We're we're re- I feel like we're very good in this area of supporting our local farmers markets. Absolutely. We do have availability, yes, to it. And it's growing if we, but we have to choose it. That's right. But I think the more that it's out there, and it is, this is a a very, a very good spot to be. Mm -hmm. Um, The upstate is very intentional. There's a lot of intentional people that either have lived here or are coming into here. And um, many friends that are small farms, we try to collaborate and just kind of, I think the more we pull together, I'm a big collaborator and we pull together and partner, just much like what you and I are doing right now, is getting that word and having one big voice on Mm -hmm. it. And then people are going to come in and make their choices. You know, there's some Southerners who are always going to like their sweet tea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's just going to be maybe a part of a culture that's, yeah. draws at them. But I think if we can get people to overall make better choices, Mm -hmm. and I think we're doing a really good job of it, which we just keep our voices being loud and come together as one voice. I think if we can at least change our culture to think of, let me go eat a healthy meal. Like if I'm going to eat out, three times a week. Mm-hmm. Let me make one of those a healthy meal. Absolutely. If we can at least change that yes. much, one, we're supporting more small business in our yeah. communities because the the healthy places tend to be small family-owned places yes. like it is In a here. very thin margin. Yes. 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 On a very thin margin. Yes. And then it's also just slowly introducing that. So I think That's like right. you said, small steps are like atomic habits, right? Like just yes. change one little thing Switch it up when you go out to eat for your one night a week, you know, and pick 
something healthy. Yeah, and, and I think people that do that, it, it's funny because mostly men, and my husband will say this, he's, he builds houses. So he's, you know, out, he's fast paced. And um, sometimes a guy, somebody will bring him something from a fast food. And he, of course, he loves harvest and he's now used to this food. And, but he, he knows the way it makes him feel and the difference mm-hmm. with something that is heavily processed versus whole foods. And we're mostly plant-based, whole foods, minimally processed. And it makes a difference. And if you can get people to understand that or feel that. Right. So that is, we have had gentlemen, um, especially that stay over at the, the Hamden across the street, and they're just tired of eating heavy meals. Yeah, And they'll come into this meal that might be their one meal that week that was just like, and it just makes them feel good. So it's like, I just, I just am tired of all the, you know, the heavy eating. And so, so, and for the people that don't understand that, that would be a good challenge. Like just this is your challenge and see how you feel, Mm -hmm. you know, when you eat this versus an hour after you eat whole foods. Yeah. That tastes good. We don't have to make it taste like just a carrot. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, and I think that's too, getting that message out that it, when you're eating whole foods, they taste different than what you think that vegetable tastes like, or maybe what you're used to that vegetable tasting like, that also takes time to change your taste buds as well. Because if we're very used to buttered carrots or, you know, brown sugar and buttered carrots or something. (laughs) We're talking the again. Yeah. (laughs) Like fried vegetables. It does take a minute to change. It does. Oh, wait, that's actually what a carrot tastes like. Or that's, we're in tomato season here in in the upstate. And like, Tomatoes taste like your heirloom tomato that's yeah. grown here by a farmer tastes so much different than what you're getting from a Walmart from the, tomato from that came from Mexico. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And that was forced and picked at a mm-hmm. not ripe, right? It was yeah. forced. Yes, it, there, it is. And I, I think, unfortunately, vegetables have had a bad rap. I do think that's changing. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's the way you prepare it, too. Yeah. I think people underestimate how tasty, and that takes a little bit of creativity. But I will say compared to close to 20 years ago, I mean, think about 20 years ago. I mean, did we even have internet then? I don't know. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, things, but the recipes that just pop up on our Instagram yeah. feed and just the amazing what you can do with cashews or with avocado or, you know, my daughter, who's the culinary magic here, what she has done in the dressings that are minimally processed, mm-hmm. you know. So if you can then find ways of prepping that, keep it in the refrigerator and it's easy to grab, you're in a, you're tasting, but in a different in a different way. It doesn't all have to be, you know, just that carrot. You know right. what I'm saying? That you're trying to eat, well, I got to eat my five carrots today. And a carrot right. and hummus is a great thing. But what dressing can you put on it? How can you make it, put it in the blender? And what can you add to it? And, yeah. you know, so I think that it's such a day and age for us to easily find any recipe mm-hmm. we want online if we're just willing to try to make that change. Yeah. So let's let's dig into what how Harvest Kitchen came to be. Yeah. So you're diagnosed with celiac, you change your diet, you're starting to feel healthy. When do you go, I want to share this gift with other people? Yeah. Because a lot goes along with that. You are you have to develop recipes. I'm sure you were took a lot of time to figure out like how do I get my diet in order and yeah. maintain it long term. So right. take us through the the birth yeah, of Harvest birth. Kitchen. So I never thought I would open a restaurant. And I'm pretty sure that was one of my nevers, which I need to stop doing, right? The <laughs> right. minimum of the nevers I said, it actually was something I would always say, because I know it was a thin margin. Mm-hmm. I always thought, how could you fall, throw food away? Like, oh. that was my thing. I'm like, I would never, because I used to own a uh, uh, furniture store. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, at least you can store it. And I'm like, yeah. I pity anybody who owns a restaurant. Like, literally, these are my thoughts. So 
never thought about sharing it that way. I am a nurse. Um, I did step away from traditional nursing when my kids were small. It's just so to be there with my children. And I found my entrepreneurial spirit. I realized that entrepreneurship, businesses, and if there's a problem, my mind wants to solve it. Mm. So that's how it started. So in 2020, we, you know, obviously had our own journey during the pandemic. Mm. And for me and my health, being a nurse that loves natural things, natural, and also my son being a type one diabetic, how mm. can we best protect my family? And the best protection was build our immune system because we have this amazing body that will fight for us if we feed it and we fuel it because food is fuel. Food is our fuel. That is what food is meant for, right? To fuel yes. us. So what we put in is what we get out. So I we went on a health journey, and during that, there was a couple weeks on a challenge of going vegan. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I'm a celiac that's going vegan. <laughs> so, you know, I like to eat out. I was fast-paced and doing life and not everything I'm doing. So I'm literally going out, can hardly find a good place. And I'm talking sometimes like a fast, like a bowl or something. Um, can hardly ever find gluten-free. So I'm limited to when I go into a recipe, you know, into a menu. Yeah. And I get to pick this, this, and maybe that. Just depends. It was contaminated or not. And now I'm vegan. So I'm like, oh my gosh. I was down to two places I could go that were both chains, but I got this place and this place I could go to and get a, a bowl. So that was then a quandary to me. I'm like, this is crazy that we're living in such Everyone around me had some kind of allergy going on, something. Yeah. And then the other part of it is going, the injustice of this is going into a restaurant and getting charged so much just because I'm a celiac. Yeah. Well, that's two more dollars. I'm like, okay, why do I get penalized that I have to pay for the bun and I have to pay for the... And I'm or still, if you're removing the bun and you're still paying full like, price. How does it <laughs> like, why are we the ones? And so it just seemed like all of that coming together... The idea then birth is it was a problem. Mm -hmm. And how can I be a solution? Yeah. And what I didn't really even think much about was my medical background and that I used to um, be a nursing instructor, a professor, and I used to teach nutrition. Different uh, nutrition because I was yeah. kind of teaching um, nutrition kind of the way the plate and – well, actually, then it was the pyramid. I don't really stand by that. I think right. that that's not quite how we should be doing things. But yeah. but still, it just – what I didn't realize is that this journey fits so much into who I am, which is to help people. And so this was really built on an intentional mission. Yeah. An intentional mission to connect people to healthy eating. That was it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the recipe was going to look like except that I don't like the kitchen. I don't like to cook. Okay. Right? And so my kids will tell you this. They'll test this. But uh, I was given a daughter who innately has a passion for food. Mm. And at nine years old, I'm like, you want my kitchen? You can have it. So watching the channels, cooking the foods, and, uh, you know, going to restaurants to work. And she's just a natural, a natural, healthy-driven um recipe maker, really. So during the pandemic, when we we're all at home yeah. and I'm on this health journey, we're making these, oh my goodness, these incredible things she would come up with just out of her head. I'm like, That's girl. Awesome. You know, so it was like our two worlds collided, but I'm just entrepreneurial with more of a business mind. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and she's this child who's culinary and um, that's kind of like we looked at each other and it was really a mission. That was it. It was That's just so like, cool. let's do this and let's figure it out and take what you're doing, mm -hmm. which is very simple because it's minimally processed. It's all about whole foods yep. as much as we can. It's very simple, such a simple concept. And what can we do to bring it to bring one more healthy option to the upstate? That was it. Yeah. And that yeah. happened out of the pandemic. I love yeah. that it's a, a family endeavor. Yeah. And I, 
I was just talking to somebody about this the other day about not being able to be like, I'm not the best at everything and how you're like, I'm the entrepreneur mind. She's the cook. Yep. You know, you have all these things lining up that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. If 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 it was me, we probably would have closed within like two months. It was my <laughs> recipes. And if the opposite, we would have closed in two months if it was her doing, she's very artistic. Mm-hmm. And so for her doing all the business stuff, it, we right. would have closed down. Because yeah. we, we had, and it's a great compliment to my daughter, but we had someone just last week say to me, you know, my husband and I, because they love having Maria make, they want Maria to make their stir fry. She just, she makes magic. Uh-huh. She'll just create things for people. And they're like, you know, we were saying the other day, this place probably would have closed down if it wasn't for her. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll take that <laughs> as a compliment like, for her. Yeah. But if you didn't my daughter, we would probably be closed down. <laughs> so I do. I think it, it really does. It, it really, for somebody looking at doing a business, mm-hmm. partnership is an always the right thing for everybody, but it sure is, it's such a big help. And it's, you can't always partner with family. Right. And a mother-daughter can't always, although I think it's a magic when it happens. But I really think you have to find that opposite. You have to mm-hmm. find two people coming together. And then if you both are on a mission with it, and my daughter is very intentional, you know, with eating and with, you know, um, recycling and mm. sustainability. She's she's a generation that she's teaching me these things. And she's right. really big on that. They're like, nope, we're not getting those straws. <laughs> yeah. And we're not doing this. And she teaches me, you know, on that. And it's just, and I let her be that as long as it fits into the, okay, can we afford this? Because right. that's the problem, you know, mm-hmm. with, okay, can we do this? And we're going to do everything we can with all our intentionality of, yeah. So again, it was it's a great mix for us. You've you've brought up a couple of times, and this is um, we talk a lot of business on this podcast, and uh, something that I love to pass along to people because I hope that people who are listening are people who are going to mm-hmm. be entrepreneurs or thinking about things. Absolutely, restaurants are notoriously hard to make money at because those margins are thin, because there's the potential for waste, because um, it's labor intensive yeah. on the back and front end. <laughs> like, absolutely. How how do you do it? What are some tips and tricks? Yep. So we're, we have close to 50 items on our bar. So we have sun-dried tomatoes and artichokes and green peppers, red and, um, and onions. And so these things have to be prepped. Mm -hmm. So what in the restaurant is par, your pars, your par level. So anybody that doesn't know, and I didn't know that coming into this, but it's your levels. How much lettuce do we order this week? How much? And that can shift, right? During busy times. So you have to be on it. And Maria is very mathematical. So I think getting somebody that has a passion for not waste, like, and I am very frugal. My mama brought me up that way. Uh And my daughter with, you know, again, that being really important to her. So being able to take that and project into tomorrow, she makes a prep list every single night. What do we need prep for tomorrow? And if we're off on that a little bit, the prep will stay for the next day. It's not like it won't. Right. Prep, we go through it pretty much. But you don't want to get ahead of yourself. Um, we we have things that have to be prepped. There's some restaurants that don't, right? You can pop open a can or something that will be shelf-stable maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't really speak into how people would do that. But for us, it's really staying on that prep. And that is that is a really important position, like mm-hmm. in the kitchen. Um, with the margins of like employment all, we're in a day and age that we need, we should always be paying our employees, mm-hmm. but we really need to be taking care of that. We not always done that well in the South, it seems indication when you look at, you know, sure. what, and, but it's also cheaper to live here. But that was also really, really important to us to not to, to keep within our margin, but take care of our staff. Mm-hmm. And it really, there is something about taking care of your staff and it all coming back to you again. But, you know, so waste, 
so that we can take care of our employees and that the money can be shifted to something else to make this work. Yeah. What what marketing efforts worked for you? Because that's that's the other thing. You're coming in as this gluten-free vegan options, like very whole foods. You're introducing what is kind of a new concept to to Greer. Yeah. So how do you market that to the local people that we've already identified Mm -hmm. are like sweet tea, fried chicken, you know, sugar and vegetables? Like exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm number one, really a big believer in organic growth. And it kind of was taught that um, that that is going to be your best customer is somebody that you satisfy because they'll go out and tell 10 people, same as if it's a dissatisfied customer. So I think just looking at that organic growth and taking care of who we have, who's with us now and growing off of that. Mm-hmm. I will also say that even though I'm not a big um, social media anything because of my age, but Instagram, Facebook mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. It, and getting somebody, we just, we got a young girl now that's so good at what she does with that. I don't get all that. Um, and these are, these are freeways, right? Yeah. Outside of that, once you get a concept out there, don't be afraid to call the local news. Um, we have some that do very well with that. They'll, they're looking for people to come on. They're looking for local makers. They're looking for local and saying, hey, do you have a slot for me? You know, we've had people come to us. I haven't really had to, in, in this business, go to them to say that. So we've been on the news. You know, we've been picked up because of um, just maybe because of what we are. It's kind of intrigued people and yeah. that has spread the word. Um, I would also tell people not to be afraid to go out and seek places that you can market yourself. That might be free, but like going on a local TV station that is looking for local makers, local chefs, going for contests. We're in a contest right now and they asked us to be part of it and it's a national thing. Started out of California. Uh It took Marie and I just a few minutes to say we're doing it. We got on TV because of it. We didn't do it to get on TV. We didn't even do it to win. We did it to push us out of our comfort zone and make up. It's a vegan challenge. And But out of that, we've gotten you know so many people because we're part of this challenge that's again going back to collaboration which is going to be my biggest point yeah in marketing this is my biggest point is collaboration Mm. it's whether that's a paying thing you're doing or whether that is something you're doing together i am such a big believer in that there's competitive spirits and there's collaborative spirits and i just feel that when you collaborate with like-minded people you have two audiences Mm -hmm. and that other person's audience especially if it's health and wellness right yeah they're gonna oh i haven't tried harvest kitchen i mean a good example is two doors down pure wellness spa Mm. we do healthy happy hour every third tuesday of every month and we collaborate and we're sharing our customer base to then it's like well i've never had this food or they never learned about her services and uh, we collaborate with farms and then we give each other shouts out back to the social media again Mm -hmm. and i just think that is really the way it takes a village yeah and i think in marketing it takes a village and if you can save your marketing dollars I think that's just the best way to go. That is what this podcast is really about, too, is about local economies and getting back to thriving within our local communities because we've become such a global economy. And while there's really great benefits from that, like I... I'm German, so I love when I can buy a food that's from Germany that's been produced. Like, I like to have my Riesling. I like to, you know, if I can pick up something that I know is German. Yeah. I love my Riesling. (laughs) So, you know, or or different 
things like that. I I love that. I love being able to experience other cultures. However, are we thrive and everything benefits our our pocketbooks benefit our the availability of jobs benefit the relationships we have with people benefit when we're pouring into our own community and yes. existing together yes. and that so when you say collaboration you're right like oh. that's what main street used to be was yes. You know, maybe there was two bakers, and if if this baker didn't make the bread you wanted, they went. Oh, well, they make it. Absolutely, it's just such a different mindset, and I, I just think that that goes further, and it it becomes a spirit of who you are, and people Mm. identify with that. Guests identify with somebody that is. It just has a collaborative spirit, you know, and I, I am. I want there to be more healthy eateries. I don't want us to be the only one because that's so small-minded. I'm just yeah. another option. And if we can get more out there, then I'm going to be known to be one of those other options. I mean, I I go to, I can name the healthy eateries around here because I love to visit them. To yeah. Not just throw my support, but because I can eat there and I feel good. And, it's, and, and then going back to like sourcing. When we started, um, I knew pretty much right away just because of where we were at and our, and where we kind of, went too quickly on economics, that I could not do everything organic. We wouldn't mm-hmm. survive. I just, I remember our first lettuce that showed it was just bug ridden. Anybody that knows about organic, it's amazing. Yeah. But, what, you know, there's, you know, we're very intentional about my daughter. Every, you know, when you come in here, we have put vegetable wash on everything. Yeah. Organic vegetable wash, everything gets washed with that, you know. But, so there were things that we had um, farm to table. Yeah. But I know a lot of places that had to to didn't make it because it's so hard. Yeah. But if we can do farm to table and if we can do organic, we we do try to do that. Mm-hmm. And then being able to do that collaboration, you know, with people in the area that are yeah. doing that, you know, and, and there might be somebody who's doing something that might be a little bit even stricter than what we're doing, but you got to find where you're, you are in the community. Yes. Like, what are we here for? And a yeah. lot of times I feel like we're here for the beginner too. Yes. For somebody that wants mm-hmm. to taste something, but they're not over here yet. But, you know, like, so when a vegan shows up, they're going to know when they get our soup. It's because it's, I can't extract anything, right? It yeah. is vegan made. Yeah. Whatever it takes for us to be vegan. And our dressings are vegan, except Honey Dijon. But outside of that, they're vegan because I can't extract it. Because we don't exclude the vegan as much as I don't want to be excluded as a gluten-free beer. Right. So I want to go out to eat. But then there's right. going to be, obviously, they're not going to get the chicken or they're not going to. But that's a choice, you know. And so add on versus Right, right. So we're trying to have, a, though it's a very simple concept. Concept. We're trying to have one that as you come in with their allergy or whatever dietary um, choice you've made or restriction or whatever, you're able hopefully to get something here, yeah. you know, that that fits into that. And then as a big as a whole, like you're saying, the community and the collaboration is supporting other people who might be doing a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But and then just saying, hey, we don't do that here, but this is where I would suggest to go. Yeah. You know, I and I always try to remind people, too, when we. That's always the argument, right? Like, it's really expensive. It's expensive to eat gluten-free or it's expensive to eat organic or whole foods or whatever, maybe. And I remind people, but if we're, if we, a more of us consistently buy local, those prices either stay steady or go down. That's like, right. if we, if, if a majority of us start shopping at the farmer's market and we the buy from those local farmers, yep. they... They can keep their prices where they are or even lower them yep. because they're, the, the gas they're spending like to economics. get there is yeah. cheaper, you know? So exactly. 
we're, we're driving the cost of organic yes. up when we don't do it. That's right. <laughs> that is so right. Right. Instead <laughs> of just saying, well, and I'm not going to do that because yeah. it's expensive. Yeah. You know, and, and then I would beg to say as, you know, on the medical side of things, you might pay for it because food mm-hmm. is also medicine if you want to look at it that way. And right. you believe in that, but you might pay for that later. And if we're willing to drop seven, eight dollars on a cup of coffee, you know what I'm saying? It's all changing that mentality. Like, what yeah. do you value? But then how can we bring that down? And that is our goal here. Mm-hmm. And one of the hardest things for us wasn't the pandemic, or I wouldn't have opened up. And we right. opened up. We made this decision in 2020 and opened up in 2021. Mm-hmm. It was the economics, uh, the the inflation. We're oh, like, we cannot. Yeah. Because yeah. anybody going to the grocery stores right now, they know that increased 30% that mm-hmm. has happened. It doesn't change for us. We don't have a magic place to go that's any cheaper. I mean, I go to the clubs, you know, and they're mm-hmm. the the Sam's Club, the Costco, along with Restaurant Depot, and then, you know, the other food service that bring it in. But because I'm a mom, pop, local, I don't get a discount. Right. I don't have the volume to make them give me a discount. So we're like, you know, for us, it's we're not trying to gouge anybody. Yeah. And I think there's a mentality like, you know, you guys are just making a, a lot of money off us. I'm like, oh, if you only knew. Like, I could just be throwing hot dogs right now, yeah. you know? And I mean, and again, no to whatever hot dog lovers, but I'm just saying, yeah. there's things that we could be doing that would be a lot cheaper if we were in the food industry to try to make, turn a buck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and I agree that the more people, and not everybody's going to choose healthy, but the people that right. do, please be intentional yeah. about really visiting the healthy places to keep us afloat, mm-hmm. you know, and know that I don't think any of us out here that I know in the upstate is gouging anybody no, off and of I, what we're doing. We had a guest on last season from Maui, Duke Sparks, and his restaurant Sparkies, and that, and he said that he's like, "Listen, I'm experiencing inflation. Like, Same. I am not putting the price up yeah. because I want to make more money. Yeah. I'm putting the price up so my restaurant can stay open yep. and you can still eat my food if you like it. That's right. It's not about it's me going. Not. I'm trying to add a 10 percent margin to this. I'm, yeah, but." They're charging me 10% more, which means I need to charge and you 10% more. And not just more. they are charging you 10% yeah. more. The paper factory. Right. And, exactly. and the um, transaction with your credit card fees. Exactly. It's, it's not just that. And mm-hmm. for us, we went up $1 a bowl. One dollar, and if anybody knows economics, and if they knew what in, in, in employment right now, mm-hmm. you know, we tried again to take good care, and and our guests take amazing care through tips for our, our which is I just love that community thing. Yes, which because you know, but we we're not going to hire a minimum wage. You know what I'm saying? But in yeah. order to do that, somebody's got to pay for it. Or the doors are going to close, right? And then what you look at on that is okay, but then how? <laughs> Lest I discourage anybody thinking about opening up a healthy restaurant. Yeah. So where do you overcome that? And the overcoming of that would be volume. Mm-hmm. It's all about volume or creativity. So for us, we had to be really creative to not go up on that price anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it just still pay the bills and, and the rent and the overhead and utilities and the everything. And so yeah. being really creative is how can we get our food into people's hands and volume. Of course, volume goes back to marketing. Volume mm-hmm. goes back to how are, and, and organic growth, which is not a fast growth. It's no. a steady growth. And yeah. it'll be with you, but it's not a fast growth. So it's, sometimes it's just being that patient, you know, but, you know, it's just a lot to, uh, again, yeah, but volume, if you can get to that point of where do I need to collaborate to get my product in the hands of other people, my name, you know, saying. so that that's the key to this. And it's, it's attainable. People that do it, do it yeah. well. And we're still in that two-year mark. We just passed our two-year mark. It's no, which it's good. Usually in our industry, if you're around in two years, 
You know, yeah. it's like you're That's out. I mean, that, yeah. the life is a little different right now with everything yeah. and inflation. We don't know where everything's going, but but now it's that third year, and that's usually when you start breaking that that mm-hmm. plane, you know. And again, because I'm not here to discourage anybody who might be listening, saying, "Oh, well, forget that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there's way, there is ways to do it. Absolutely, that's, ways to do it. And mm-hmm. and for some people, it might be a food truck. Mm-hmm. It, it might be going to the farmers market and doing what we're doing, but do it at a farmers market. It doesn't mean you have to have a brick and mortar, you right. know, or doing a ghost kitchen, which mm-hmm. is a whole other concept. If you look that up. So there's ways of like, you know, I want to do this, but I don't want all the overhead of employment. And so again, is that there's a bit does it like to be creative? Just get your creative juices out there. And and I always think just put people over profit, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and things will come and you'll build that that clientele, whatever that looks yeah. like for you. You mentioned that you were a nurse yes. in uh in your previous profession. Can you talk a little bit about your time in nursing yep. and and what was your experience with that? Yes. So when I graduated in, I shouldn't say this, but in 1989, <laughs> I, back in the day when the computers weren't there, so I had to go somewhere and get my licensure, you know, all 2,000 of you sat in and took this test. Uh-huh. Um, I had signed up to go to Africa. So I'm a new nurse and graduated. I waited till I got that exam and got my, my RN. And then I went to Africa and um, probably started my nursing everything that America is not, right? So I'm in a bush in the middle in West Africa. I'm training to be a nurse, no doctors. We had 13, 15 midwives. We did vaccination clinics. We had pregnancy. Wow. I'm, I'm to be over all of that. I'm 22, 23 years wow. old. And so, you know, how did I learn to deliver a baby? I watched one being delivered. I, these ladies would come in and no epidurals, no monitors, very, very primitive, um, but really learned to use my hands in assessment and just the the purity of nursing. Mm. Fortunately, where I went was in Liberia. The war broke out. If you look at Liberia in 1989, mm. is when the coup broke out and it literally broke out where we were at to mm. where the warlord or the one that broke out in the coup actually used our airstrip to train after we all had evacuated out of there. Wow. So, I mean, I'm this, not only am I going to this, you know, as a young nurse and learning this, now I'm in the middle of this war. So I only ended up staying there for about nine months, but it, it just was the core to who I am. I came back and I'm like, now what do I do? That was cut a lot shorter than, <laughs> but I was like, oh, you know how to deliver babies, you know? And so I kind of naturally went to labor and delivery and realized, God, we're strapping people down on their backs. We're slapping them onto a monitor. We're giving them Pitocin. I mean, you don't do this over there. I right. mean, you know, you have things that you wish you had some modern medicine when those bad things happen over there. Sure. But it's pretty natural. You know, yeah. so now I'm doing all these things and kind of having to learn the American way of, you know, doing whatever. And of course, slipped into that, ended up um, getting my master's because I wanted to become a midwife. Mm. But that was a whole thing back in the day just to go into midwifery because I had a job that I was doing, I was teaching. I was an instructor, a professor basically, but I was allowed to be getting my master's. And so it wasn't like I could just go anywhere to get my midwifery. So I ended up doing women's health, um, stayed into the labor and delivery, planned on going back overseas. I did trips. Mm -hmm. I led trips. I led medical students. So I just love grassroots. So I led students over because I had a passion Mm -hmm. that I want you to experience, you know, this. And so we would go, and then my husband, who's from Micronesia, which was one of the countries that I um, visited, and so we ended up getting married. I was thirty, and I did into the went into that hospital system. You know, now it's an economic thing, right? You're in there right. to just kind of help with the the finances of the household and whatever, and. 
babies came right away. Um, I mean, miscarriage, and then three months later, I'm pregnant again. Five months, my child was five months old. I'm pregnant again. Oh. That daughter's nine months old, and then, then the celiac happened. You can see why. Oh. My body's like, it is enough. Like yeah. now you're predisposed. <laughs> now you got it. You know. And so um, when the babies came, I kept trying, and mm-hmm. because my core is not traditional medicine, American medicine, I just never fell in love with the hospital system. I never fell in love with the bureaucracy of it. Um, the the non-natural part of it, mm-hmm. but I did it, right, for economic reasons. And then I came home and realized I was missing out on my children. So sure. I did do a stint a little bit of going into school nursing. And then I just I just walked from it. And I can't, I can't, I'm probably a little on the ADHD side, so I cannot just sit still. And <laughs> sure. that's when I, I started, you know, doing these ventures and found out that I loved entrepreneurship. Mm. And I think that goes into my life, the way my life has led me. I'm just ready to run and go and do. And I think that comes in that personality. Mm -hmm. And then things don't scare me. Risks are just a challenge to me, a challenge to be creative, to to do it, right? It doesn't scare me. And so kind of a risk taker. Um, And that, but I think what's so cool about the full circle is I feel like what I'm doing right now is so important that I'm a nurse. There's so many stories that I hear that I'm able to speak into that as a nurse. I'm able to, mm-hmm. my knowledge or what mm-hmm. I know, or just, you know, I, it just, it's just health alone. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, the food is medicine. And so it's kind of cool how it's come full circle in a completely different way. So when you, you know, back, like, even like the sea, like, did that make you want to open a restaurant or as a nurse, you want to, no, I never would have put all those puzzle pieces together. Sure. You know, but yeah. here I sit. <laughs> when you were uh, working in Africa, and, and and I love having guests on the show that have lived and worked in other countries because this podcast isn't just about community here in America and the different places I get to interview people, but community is around the world. Like Absolutely. we we create borders. Yes, like that's it's exactly not, right. Like yep. community yep. happens wherever you go. Yep. What did you experience there as far as community? And I know you were yep. I, and I say only there for nine months, but that's a long oh, it's time. A long time. It's to a be, long time to get to be plugged in into a community. Yeah, yeah, so there was a group of us that were there. And so we had, um, within that, we had pilots and um, the nurse that was training me. And so we had the American group that was there. But outside of that, the people that we we that we that served, you know, that we went to there serve, the, the underprivileged, right? And um, that becomes your community within, right? You had the community, the people that are there with this purpose to serve these people and to give them something they wouldn't have, right? To give medicine, right? right? That was why I went to school. And as a, a little girl, I always saw myself in Africa. So this wasn't just this, I don't know where to go. I think I'll just go to Africa. I mean, there was a lot longer story than that, but I always saw myself there and I wanted to give back mm-hmm. of something that people don't have. So you have this community, but then it would be very interesting because I would go down in the village and I would find Peace Corps workers that mm-hmm. would be from around the world, or the Catholic, um, host- well, it was like not a hospital, it was like a clinic down the road. And then I would build community in then. And then we had the Lebanese community that brought me in because I learned how to drink coffee the proper way, you know, <laughs> in their little cups. And so yeah. I, I think that if we have a mindset of community, mm-hmm. you know, so it, you're going to find that community. Yeah. And you're, if you don't, it's because I think it's a mindset thing. You're not open to, like no borders, like you said, even within a community, like where am I at that I can be something for somebody? And of mm. course the Africans, right? I was Missy. Missy was single woman. So yeah. I was Missy, Missy, you know, and then they knew me to take care of their babies or to deliver their babies or the vaccination or whatever. So then you built this really tight community with them. And then the children mm. in a third world country, yeah. it's the children, they just come to your home and, you know, and so, yeah, I think that if you have a spirit of community mm. and of love, 
and a smile on your face, it's universal. Mm -hmm. And people will be drawn to that. And I, I, I would hope that everybody was that way, but maybe some of us tend towards that more. But yeah, I think we all could benefit to be open to all people, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and build a bigger community mm -hmm. no matter where we're at. I love that. What's next for mm -hmm. Harvest Kitchen? What yeah. does the future look like? Oh, God. So <laughs> the one thing that kind of has come out of this that, you know, you love to hear, but so many places, people that travel in from all over, like, can you please bring this to our area? Mm -hmm. um, we even have up as far as North Carolina. Um, someone's like, we'll invest into that. And I'm like, oh, there's there's no way I can open a second location. I can barely mm -hmm. with the labor and all that. But but then you're, you just started thinking creatively. But we need, we need this. You know, so, you know, what would that look like? You know, how could we bring so that people that can't make it into Greer and Greer is growing so fast, which is amazing, but it's, it's, it's also going to be congested at some point and just right. getting in and getting parking and whatever. So where can we maybe go and maybe what would that look like? So we're just kind of chewing on a couple ideas is like, how can we bring harvest to a little bit bigger of an area? Um, again, because this isn't such a monetary thing. It's like, you have to be patient with that. Right. But we've had, We've had multiple requests, you know, of just different areas. So that's kind of probably my next thing is like, what does that look like for us? How can we pop up places and offer this, but maybe not a full scale brick and mortar? Yeah. Because I don't think I can handle more than one location yeah. like that. I can't, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so, so I don't know. It's kind of still a little bit of a mystery. Um, I'm very excited that in this journey, my daughter is going to culinary school. Oh, she's that's staying awesome. here. Thank goodness. Because I don't know yeah. what I would do. She wasn't, but she's going to Greenville Tech. And some of my friends are the chefs. are going to be her teacher. She's oh. already has her and associates. She's able to slide into that. And we're just going to be kind of her playground now, right? Yeah. Everything she learns, she gets to come here. So I think that even out of that, there's going to be opportunities. Yeah. You know, we're, collaborating a lot. We, um, like I said, with Pure Two Doors Down, we do a healthy, happy hour um, once a month. And then with two chefs, um, Chef Vera with Oil and Vinegar and Chef Tony Keeley, we're going to have to do a community table. It's a ticketed event. It's on August 20th. And people will come in. We will serve them a beverage and we'll be able to, Vera will talk out how you can make shrubs out of that or whatever. That would be that would be the pre-dinner. Mm -hmm. And then Tony's going to make the meal, Chef Tony. Yeah. And we're going to have a community table. And then mm -hmm. there'll be a wine pairing with each entree. And it's going to be locally sourced. We're going to be using local um, everything that we can. He's already, that's where he's getting mm. from Skyland. He's getting the meat, you know, and he's using another farm to get the produce. And again, it's just that collaboration. So I think we just keep looking for these things or like yeah. what you're doing today which i greatly appreciate so i mean that's again probably where we're at right now mm -hmm. is collaborating that way and yeah. getting our you know our name or our collaboration out among yeah other like-minded businesses yeah. i love that the theme of this episode is collaboration yeah. now um because that's that's always what i'm looking yeah. for and i think so many people are looking for that they just don't know how to yeah break into it yeah. or I, there's introverts that are really great entrepreneurs or That's have right. great ideas and they, and it's hard for them to collaborate because they don't know how to walk into a networking room full of people That's and right. start talking. They need to find that. But it's like into their even dance. just little yeah. interactions like you and I had when yeah. you guys first opened and we lived in Greer yep. at that time and we're like gluten-free. Yeah. And we'd love to give yes. it to you like our number one fan. We're yeah. like, yeah. Yet. We were like, oh my God. But it must taste okay. Yeah. I mean, literally, we weren't even sure at yeah. that point. Like, I, I don't know if any of us going to come back again. Yeah. No, it was delicious. And we were so excited yeah. to 
be like, holy cow, we can walk in yeah. somewhere and not have to second guess. Yeah, just safe. The safety of the food. Yeah. No yeah. cross-contamination yeah. Yeah. whatsoever. And But yeah, speaking into that, I think that if somebody is that introvert, I would strongly encourage find that, we're going back to community now, the two mm -hmm. Cs, collaboration and community, find that person that maybe you're comfortable with that can kind of yeah. come along and help you in your business. You know, just maybe that one person that's a little bit more in the extrover extroverted personality. I've obviously, I've been given that personality. Yeah. My daughter's yeah. like, do not drag me on TV. Yeah. <laughs> she had to last night because she was a chef. Uh -huh. She's like, just, you know, I'm like, well, you're so adorable, but I messed up here and she just doesn't like it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think that community and collaboration, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I appreciate you very much and what you're doing. Thank you. It's very intentional and it's a mission Thank that we you. need here in the upstate. I appreciate that. The last question I ask all my guests is if you could sit down with somebody living or dead and have a conversation like me and you did today, who who would that be for you? My dad. Mm. So my dad passed um, in 09. We had mm. a, a terminal illness that took him in 09. I was dad's buddy. Uh, he had a nickname. I was Rudy when we were growing up. I was Rudy. and um, But I think my strong business sense comes from him. Mm -hmm. He did well in the corporate world, but he gave all of that up right before retirement to go overseas and to serve. So I think that he brought so much of integrity to whatever we did to us children and teaching us that and also that it is people over profit. And just to be able to sit with him, and he was always my – he was the person I went to for for wisdom. He was my sounding board, but he was my biggest fan. Mm -hmm. Like he never would have held me back and go to Africa. His baby girl's going at 22 years old. Yeah. Go, but wisdom, 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 wisdom. You know. And so I think if I could just sit down sometimes and be like, "What do you think?" And he was a visionary. Mm. You know, yeah. and he's my dad. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I would love to sit down. And to have a chat with him. I love that. Thank you so much yeah. for, I know we we talked maybe longer than anticipated today. It's been but wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. And I look forward to collaborating in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing, but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week. And as always, thank you for your support. <laughs>